The Crawford Stand. This week, the president of Crawford Broadcasting Company, Don Crawford, resists the so-called new normal, especially when it comes to the church. Closed because of corona. COVID-19. COVID-19 shut our doors, say the pastors of our land, and they sure did. Governors of all 50 states ordered that there be no gatherings of the believers. The worshipers, stay home, said the governors, and get the religious things you need from the digital world. You never know, said the governors, whether or not the person sitting in the pew next to you has the virus, no matter the symptoms or a lack thereof. You just never know. Closure was probably the right thing to do, at least from a medical standpoint, and at least for a while. I guess, what do you think about that? Perhaps the virus was a clear and present danger, and at least to some extent uh, it still is, but it was indeed unconstitutional, and it violated the First Amendment, and at least temporarily took away the very first, and perhaps the most important freedom guaranteed by the First Amendment of the Constitution, and that would be, of course, freedom of religion. That is, 50 men and women, governors all, violated the First Amendment, by prohibiting the free exercise of religion guaranteed by the First Amendment. It was not the United States Congress which did that, but the individual states. No matter, the states violated the Constitution. Are you tired of hearing me saying that? But it's happening left and right, and with much greater frequency. And these unprecedented actions probably set a precedent. And we the people got a taste of what America would be like without the ability to worship in mass gatherings, in churches, in synagogues, and mosques, if and when that satanic time ever comes. Oh, I hope and pray it never does, but it might. Scriptures tell us that where as few as two or three are gathered together, the Lord is there and among them. I, said Jesus of Nazareth, I am there. So that a house of worship, it may not be necessary for true spirituality, but it has always been and should be the place for worship as a matter of choice. And the place should not be replaced. The place, the church, should not be replaced. And certainly not by the individual and potentially arbitrary action of any governor, much less a Congress, a Senate, or a House. All of that is unconstitutional. So we the people turn to the digital world for our worship. The church goes online, and it does so without the congregation. No people, live human beings interacting, nothing, nothing personal or one-on-one. All of that may be helpful, but it is not the same. It's not the same, not close. There may be coming a so-called new normal, whatever that may be, But there should not be any new normal for the church, not the church. The old model is critical and must be preserved. It must be preserved. Don't you agree? There was 2,000 years ago one man, the Nazarene, a miracle worker and the world's greatest teacher. He preached, and they came one by one. And then there were 12. He called them disciples, and they gave their all and themselves to him, gladly, willingly, lovingly. And the fellowship began. They, the thirteen, were together as believers. 
They had loving commonality. They had a very special spiritual communion. They became those twelve, one in him. Oh, it must have been a beautiful experience. And they were the founders, the pioneers of fellowship and togetherness. And the gatherings grew, and the multitudes came, and believers were added, and the gospel began to spread beyond Jerusalem, and nation after nation. And then the world, the whole world, the church of Jesus Christ, became a living, vibrant reality, possessed of real people, real people. The early church was conducted in homes. People gathered at the homes of other believers to worship. Even then, without churches or formal buildings in which to worship, believers hungered for fellowship, for association, for the ambiance, the feel of worship. More than one and more than two or three, all were welcome, invited even, and a sense of communion and commonality began to develop, and it was critical to worship. It was indispensable, and in today's terminology, it was essential, essential. Essential to that early form of worship was the sense of touch, touch, one-on-one. The touch of the brothers and the sisters in Christ was the supreme act of human love. That perhaps was the beginning of the holy hug. The Christian love among believers expressed itself with that special touch. It was undoubtedly fostered and approved by the Holy Spirit working, ever working in the hearts of believers. The love they had for Jesus of Nazareth grew to the point where it had to be expressed, and it had to be shared with others. In person, touch, feel, was assumed to be essential, and those on the front line of Christianity, as it spread among so many dangers and difficulties, were the very first lovers, lovers in the Lord, in the church. And they set precedent, and they became the examples for all believers to follow. The men and women of that day sought to touch Jesus. Oh, did they ever. Whenever they could, they would try to touch him. His feet were washed with an expensive oil by an adoring woman. Zacchaeus could not touch him, but climbed the tree to see him. The sick and the frail wanted only to touch the hem of the master's garment, so as to be healed. One can only imagine how often and lovingly the twelve disciples touched their Lord. And even today, we who believe long for the touch of the Master's hand, don't you? Could you imagine that? What a thrill, a spiritual thrill that would be. Nothing can ever replace the personal, the interpersonal, the gatherings, the togetherness. Nothing, nothing can replace that. Nothing digital could ever begin to replace that. We need the touch of the Master's hand. We need to taste and see that the Lord is good. We need the scent, the ambiance of the church and worship. We need to see the church in action, its people, its believers, working to spread the fruits of the gospel. And we need to hear, hear in person from the actual believers, pastors and Christian leaders, the gospel lovingly poured forth by real human beings in real time. Those experiences are critical, and they're constitutional, and they cannot be replaced online. They can't. The Church of Jesus Christ is alive. It's organic. It's a growing organism, and it must always remain as such. Virtual, the digital world, can only be there for those who cannot be part 
of the living church. All that a pastor is, the leader of the people, all of that cannot be experienced online. The person of the pastor, the touch of the pastor, the handshake or hug of the pastor can be every bit as important as the message itself. We can't do away with that. Communion, the partaking of the flesh and blood of our Lord with bread and wine, can be accomplished anywhere. But there is nothing, nothing like sharing that communion with other believers and receiving pastoral blessing with that very special bread and wine. Nothing online, nothing virtual can ever replicate that, nothing. And baptism, the very same. One can be baptized virtually anywhere by anyone, but there is special spirituality when done in a church environment and with the participation and fellowship of other believers. Nothing online can compensate for that or equal it. And the choir. Music comes from a multitude of sources, but only in church can one both hear and see real people making real music. Online is a partial experience, but never the whole, never. And the same with prayer and prayer meetings. To hear and see and feel prayer from others, prayer with different thoughts and spiritual needs. Words, expressions, and feelings can never, never, ever be replicated online. The digital world should be for those only who cannot participate in the real world, the real life of the real church in all of its facets. In that case, in those cases, digital has value. And the spontaneity of interaction. So much happens with the gathering and fellowship of the believers that can only be experienced in person, never online. So much of the most meaningful moments are off-camera. The spontaneity of touch. The unexpected can be very special spiritual blessing. One hears in person the total sounds of the church at work and its people, believers involved, the total sound, the total sound, the total message not captured online. Those sounds, spontaneous and unexpected, can be far more spiritually lasting than a formal message from the pulpit itself. And marriage, marriage. Today, two can be married anywhere by virtually anyone. But there is nothing, nothing like what the spirituality of the church can offer. Marriage can participate in the ambiance of the sacred, the holy. If marriage consists of holy vows between two people, then the church is the proper, really the only, the only venue for such. When a lover engaged becomes a spouse, Nothing can replace sharing and reciting those vows before a minister of the Lord in church. Nothing can replace that. And the same for revivals. Nothing can replace the feel, the touch, the dynamic, in-person energy of the revival itself. Nothing. The gospel now goes to the ends of the earth online, and that's a good thing. For there are those multitudes who have no other way to see and hear. And that is a digital good thing. But nothing can replace a missionary, a man or woman called by the Holy Spirit to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. That messenger can be every bit as important as the message itself, if not in some cases more so. By their fruits ye shall know them. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The highest power comes from people energized, led, and inspired by the Holy Spirit. 
They become people, messengers, ambassadors of high touch. High touch. There is a powerful presence about their personality, their person. They are living examples of the power of the gospel within them. They become ambassadors of touch, even to some extent like Jesus of Nazareth of old. What he was is in them, and they become like him with others. The spiritual touch of that person can be as or more powerful than the message itself. Don't you agree? The digital world indeed has value. It does. It does. Things virtual are better than nothing, at least when it comes to the church. So much can be shared, and all can be good, but, but, there is nothing like in person. Nothing like the gathering of believers, of personal fellowship, of commonality and communion, of holy hugs. Nothing. That is the stuff, the heart and soul of the real church, and no one, no president, no congress, no governor should ever shut it down. No one should ever shut the doors of the church, perhaps no matter the circumstances. There are many millions of people who think the churches should not have been shut down by the governors. What do you think? Well, what I think is that nothing online can ever replace anything in person, no matter the value. Nothing but nothing can ever replace touch, touch, feel, ambiance, the senses at work. Touch is essential to worship. It's essential, and it's essential to interpersonal relationships. Oh, certainly, one can see and one can hear in the digital world, online, and that does have some value, but nothing, nothing, nothing can ever replace the real church with real people working in real time with real results, not even corona. The views expressed here on the Crawford Stand are those of the speaker. And please let Mr. Crawford know what you think about what he discussed this week, restrictions on the church caused by COVID-19. His email address is stand at crawfordbroadcasting.com. When you write, be sure to tell Mr. Crawford on what station you hear the stand. His email address again is stand at crawfordbroadcasting.com. He looks forward to hearing from you this week. And when you want to review what you hear, go to our website, crawfordbroadcasting.com. The Crawford Stand is a public affairs presentation of Crawford Broadcasting Company and this station, serving God and country. I'm Bill McCormick.